Section 7 of The Thousand Nights and a Night. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is recorded by Mr. Mike79 from Lowell, Michigan, United States of America. Mike's Voice for Hire.com. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Night 996. When it was the nine hundred and ninety-sixth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the slave of the signet ring acquainted Maruf with his case, the merchant asked him, What is thy name? And the jinni answered, My name is Abu al-Sadat. Quoth Maruf, O Abu al-Sadat, what is this place, and who enchanted thee in this casket? And quoth he, O my lord, this is a treasure called the hoard of Shaddad, son of Ad, him who the base of many-columned Iram laid, the like of which in the lands was never made. I was his slave in his lifetime, and this is his seal-ring, which he laid up in his treasure. But it hath fallen to thy lot. Maruf inquired, Canst thou transport that which is in this hoard to the surface of the earth? And the jinni replied, Yes, nothing were easier, said Maruf. Well, bring it forth, and leave not. So the jinni signed with his hand to the ground, which clave asunder, and he sank and was absent a little while. Presently there came forth young boys full of grace, and fair of face bearing golden baskets, filled with gold which they emptied out, and going away returned with more. Nor did they cease to transport the gold and jewels, till ere an hour had sped, they said, Naught is left in the hoard. Thereupon out came Abu al-Sadat, and said to Maruf, O my lord, thou seest that we have brought forth all that was in the hoard. Maruf asked, who be these beautiful boys? And the jinni answered, They are my sons. This matter merited not that I should muster for it the merits, wherefore my sons have done thy desire, and are honoured by such service. So ask what thou wilt besides this. Quoth Maruf, Canst thou bring me he-mules, and chests, and fill the chests with the treasure, and load them on the mules? Quoth Abu al-Sadat, Nothing easier. And cried a great cry, whereupon his sons presented themselves before him to the number of eight hundred and he said to them let some of you take the semblance of he-mules and others of muleteers and handsome mamelukes the like of the least of whom is not found with any of the kings and others of you be transmued to muleteers and the rest to menials so seven hundred of them changed themselves into bat-mules and the other hundred took the shape of slaves then Abu al-Sadat called upon his marids, who presented themselves between his hands, and he commanded some of them to assume the aspect of horses saddled with saddles of gold crusted with jewels. And when Maruf saw them do as he bade, he cried, Where be the chests? They brought them before him, and he said, Pack the gold and the stones, each sort by itself. So they packed them, and loaded three hundred he-mules with them. Then asked Maruf, O oh, Abu al-Sadat, Canst thou bring me some loads of costly stuffs? And the jinni answered, Wilt thou have Egyptian stuffs, or Syrian, or Persian, or Indian, or Greek? Maruf said, Bring me an hundred loads of each kind, on five hundred mules. And Abu al-Sadat, O my lord, accord me delay that I may dispose my merits for this, and send a company of them to each country to fetch an hundred loads of its stuffs, and then take the form of he-mules and return, carrying the stuffs. Maruf inquired, What time dost thou want? And Abu al-Sadat replied, The time of the blackness of the night. The day shall not dawn, ere thou have all thou desirest. Said Maruf, 
Well, I grant thee this time, and bade them pitch him a pavilion. So they pitched it, and he sat down therein, and they brought him a table of food. Then said Abu al-Sadat to him, O my lord, tarry thou in this tent, and these my sons shall guard thee, so fear thou nothing, for I go to muster my marids, and dispatch them to do thy desire. So saying, he departed, leaving Maruf seated in the pavilion, with the table before him, and the jinni's sons attending upon him, in the guise of slaves, and servants, and sweet. And while he sat in this state, behold, up came the husbandman, with a great porringer of lentils, and a nose-bag full of barley, and seeing the pavilion pitched and the mamelukes standing, hands upon breasts, thought that the sultan was come, and had halted on that stead. So he stood open-mouthed, and said in himself, Would I had killed a couple of chickens, and fried them red with clarified cow-butter for the sultan? And he would have turned back to kill the chickens as a regale for the sultan. But Maruf saw him, and cried out to him, and said to the mamelukes, Bring him hither. So they brought him, and his porringer of lentils before Maruf, who said to him, What is this? Said the peasant, This is thy dinner, and thy horse's fodder. Excuse me, for I thought not that the sultan would come hither. And had I known this, I would have killed a couple of chickens and entertained him in goodly guise. Quoth Maruf, The sultan is not come. I am his son-in-law, and I was vexed with him. However, he hath sent his officers to make his peace with me, and now I am minded to return to city. But thou hast made me this guest meal without knowing me, and I accept it from thee, lentils though it be, and will not eat save of thy cheer. Accordingly he bade him set the porringer middlemost the table, and ate of it his sufficiency, whilst the fellow filled his belly with those rich meats. Then Maruf washed his hands, and gave the Mamelukes leave to eat, so they fell upon the remains of the meal and ate. And when the porringer was empty, he filled it with gold, and gave it to the peasant, saying, Carry this to thy dwelling, and come to me in the city, and I will entreat thee with honour. Thereupon the peasant took the porringer full of gold, and returned to the village, driving the bulls before him, and deeming himself akin to the king. Meanwhile, they brought Maruf girls of the brides of the treasure, who smote on instruments of music and danced before him, and he passed that night in joyance and delight, a night not to be reckoned among lives. Hardly had dawned the day, when there arose a great cloud of dust, which presently lifting, discovered seven hundred mules, laden with stuffs, and attended by muleteers, and baggage-tenders, and cresset-bearers. And with them came Abu al-Sadat, riding on a she-mule in the guise of a caravan leader. And before him was a travelling litter, with four-corner terminals of glittering red gold with gems. When Abu al-Sadat came up to the tent, he dismounted, and kissing the earth, said to Maruf, O my lord! Thy desire hath been done to the uttermost, and in the litter there is a treasure suit which hath not its match among king's raiment. So don it, and mount the litter, and bid us do what thou wilt. Quoth Maruf, O Abu al-Sadat, I wish thee to go to the city of Ikfian al-Katan, and present thyself to my father-in-law the king, and go thou not into him but in the guise of a mortal courier. And quoth he, To hear is to obey. So Maruf wrote a letter to the sultan, and sealed it, and Abu al-Sadat took it and set out with it, and when he arrived he found the king, saying, O vazir, indeed my heart is concerned for my son-in-law, and I fear lest the Arabs slay him. Would heaven I wot whither he was bound, that I might have followed him with the troops. Would he had told me his destination? Said the vazir, Allah be merciful to thee for this thy heedlessness. As thy head liveth, the white saw that we were awake to him, and feared dishonour, and fled, for he is nothing but an impostor, a liar. 
and behold at this moment in came the courier and kissing the ground before the king wished him permanent glory and prosperity and length of life asked the king who art thou and what is thy business i am a courier answered the jinni and thy son-in-law who is come with the baggage sendeth me to thee with a letter and here it is and so he took the letter and read therein these words after salutations galore to our uncle the glorious king know that i am at hand with the baggage train so come now forth to meet me with the troops cried the king allah blacken thy brow o vizier how often wilt thou defame my son-in-law's name and call him liar and impostor behold he is come with the baggage train and thou art naught but a traitor the minister hung his head groundwards in shame and confusion and replied o king of the age I said not this because of the long delay of the baggage, and because I feared the loss of the wealth he hath wasted. The king exclaimed, O oh, traitor, what are my riches? Now that his baggage is come, he will give me great plenty in their stead. Then he bade decorate the city, and going into his daughter said to her, Good news for thee, thy husband will be here anon with his baggages, for he hath sent me a letter to that effect, and here I am now going forth to meet him. The princess Dunya marvelled at this, and said in herself, This is a wondrous thing. Was he laughing at me, and making mock of me? Or had he a mind to try me, when he told me that he was a pauper? But alhamdulillah, glory to God, for that I failed not of my duty to him. On this wise fared it in the palace. But as regards merchant Ali, the Kyrene, when he saw the decoration of the city, and asked the cause thereof, they said to him, The baggage train of merchant Maruf the king's son-in-law is come said he allah is almighty what a calamity is this man he came to me fleeing from his wife and he was a poor man whence then should he get a baggage train but haply this is a device which the king's daughter hath contrived for him fearing his dishonour and kings are not unable to do anything may allah the most high veil his fame and not bring him to public shame and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and cease saying her permitted say. End of section 7. This is recorded by Mr. Mike 79, Lowell, Michigan, United States of America. Mike's Voice for Hire.com.